time for our Friday gathering. It's been another week dominated by COVID-19, of course, and its political, economic and social fallout. With me in studio to discuss these and other issues, Mark Paul, Business Affairs Correspondent of the Irish Times, and Catherine Martin, Green Party TD for Dublin Ratdown and also Deputy Leader of the Party. On the line, Colin Brophy, Fine Gael TD for Dublin South West, and Lise Hand, Journalist and Commentator. Uh, I have to ask you, Catherine Martin... Um, are you going? Do you expect your party to agree to go into at least to go into talks about forming a government? Um, well, our our PP have a meeting um, every day this week, um, and we will meet again this evening. Um, I would say um, that the process of government formation uh, so far, on a number of fronts, is not built on a solid foundation from a political perspective. Firstly, um, I would point out that it's a process where two of the the, the, the three parties um, engage in. Two of those parties who talk about the need for stability in a time of crisis um, haven't even bothered to talk to, to sit down with, to engage with, with one party. Okay, well, okay, well, you could have said all that six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, no, I, that's I think all it about needs, but it does need bearing out. Yeah, but um, well, of more interest, really, I think, to our listeners is what um, Simon Coveney is reported as saying in the uh, Irish Examiner's front page today. He says the Green Party can forget its demand for a 7% carbon emission reduction if it decimates farming and rural Ireland. Um, what I'd say to that is it's quite shocking um, coming from, from the Thánaiste um, that th- this is not the Green Party's 7%. Can we? And this really needs to be clarified because this is the narrative all week. This target comes from an international agreement, a treaty, the Paris Agreement. Um, it also matches the revised EU target in the European Green Deal. It also, if you have to take into consideration, the UN Environment Programme Emissions Gap Report has found that unless we reduce by 7-6%, we're facing catastrophic damage to our planet. So the question should not be, how do we achieve the 7%? The actual question that needs to be asked is, is 7% enough? Now, we have a case where the Thánaiste of the party, it was Fine Gael who signed this document, uh, the international... Colin Brophy, it's a strange way. He's not up for 7%. It's it's quite frankly disturbing. And why don't they know how to do this if they signed the agreement in 2015? Alarm bells are ringing, but alarm bells are ringing also for us when it comes to uh, provision of public housing and public land. They seem to want to pursue the private housing model still. What lessons have been learned there? Direct provision. Um, It's much more than the 7%. It's key social... Okay, Colin Brophy, it it is a strange way uh, to go wooing a potential government of par- uh, partners to speak in such terms about the Green Party can forget its demand for a 7% carbon emission reduction? Look, the first thing we need to be conscious of is the fact that we are trying to form a government, um, both ourselves, Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil, put together an outline framework. We went to the Greens with that. The Greens, to be fair to them, they engaged, they came back. Um, there's been a reply uh, to them. And I think the key thing now is that I'd like to see, certainly, is I'd like to see the three party leaders engage in sitting around at safe distance and engage in direct talks on that. Because I think everyone in the country wants to see a government formed. I don't think it actually benefits us for Catherine to try and come on and score points off Fine Gael or to try and shore up the support base in her own party. What is actually needed is an engagement by the three party leaders. We want to see a government formed. Our country 
badly. Oh, very quick response because I need to go to the others, Catherine. Very simply, I'm not scoring points. I'm addressing the fact that the Taunished is front page of the examiner playing to his crowd and playing to his votes and calling it the Green 7%. OK, but can you it's just make a prediction agreement. on what your party colleagues are likely to decide this evening? Will well, you go into talks? What has to be considered in here for, for, for us at our party is that we need two-thirds uh, vote support of our, our campaigning members. And, you know, they, there is unrest with our members at the, at the minute in, in, in relation to how those key questions that we asked to reach a baseline were, were addressed. To, to, to be quite candid, and, and I share the, the members' concerns in relation to the, how the 7% was answered and key social justice issues. So we have to decide tonight as a PP. Uh, we remain open-minded. Each of the member has acted in good faith and will do. Um, do we, A, agree for, you know, aiming to, to, to talk to, to Lee on... Are you well, personally opposed to that right now? I'm, I remain open-minded, uh, but I share the concerns of the members. Right. And what I will not stand over is any greenwashing of the Green Party's policies, because we will always do best uh, by our people and the people who vote us, but we have to be authentic to who we are. We have to be credible to our membership, right. because okay. it can't happen unless two-thirds of our members. So that's what we have to work out. Mark does, Paul. does Eamon meet um, Leo and Michal? Does he not? Or do we seek further clarity on the key questions? Right. Uh, Mark Paul, what do you make of what you heard? Well, <clears throat> one thing that you haven't heard uh, the Greens say anything about is the general public in all of this. What does 7% mean? It's just a number to most people out there in the country. What sort of changes to their lives will they have to make to meet the 7%? And the Greens aren't, aren't telling people what that means. Does it mean that they're going to um, um, you know, uh, double the price of aviation? Does it mean that they'll ban home heating oil? Does it mean that uh, we'll all have to drive electric cars? Does it mean that we're going to have to resort to the sort of measures that we're underneath now? I mean, the, the lockdown that we're underneath now, I, I don't know how many percent that will reduce our emissions by this year, but is this the sort of measures that we have to resort to, in order to reach 7%. The Greens, I think, have to be more open with people and more direct with people about what 7% means. It's just an abstract number. What does it mean for people's lives? Nobody seems to know. And that's, I think, something that the Greens need to answer um, and, and they need to level with people as to what it means. OK, I'll come back maybe later if I have time uh, to Catherine Martin on that. But Lise Hand, how do you read the, the various movements and exchanges of papers and talks and talks about talks? Yeah, well, things are really moving at a... continuing to move at a glacial pace. I mean, if you think, if you consider back in 2016, it took 72 days to form that government. We're now over 80 days, and it's a rate of certainty that we're going to be well over the 100 by the time something happens. Um, I cannot, you know, I suppose in a way, Sean, the leeriness of the Green Party is completely understandable. I mean, given the party's gruesome fate in the 2011 election, and the party's also seen how adeptly the last Senegal-led government managed to scupper various legislation proposed by opposition by, you know, burying it in, in uh, Iraq's committees or sinking it through attaching money messages and so on. So, you know, they're clearly seeking very, very firm commitments on their various asks before they'd even sit around the table. And as we actually just heard through Simon Coveney's remarks there, nor will they want a situation whereby the so-called green agenda becomes a catch-all excuse uh, by, say, Finnefon Senegal, uh, for every future tough measure introduced when the economy, economy remains moribund. So this is, I think, all feeding into the slowness of the Greens to come to the table, whereas Finnefon Senegal are very anxious to get them there because they know that they need the Greens to put together some kind of government that will have the stability to last five years 
because my gosh, the next couple of years are going to be very rocky in terms of introducing unpopular measures and tough decisions. And they want to make sure that any government yeah. that is put together, hangs together for the five years. So hopefully come out the far side uh, rather, rather than getting punished and the whole thing collapsing in acrimony halfway through. So I think the, the you know, the, the green, the Fine Gael, I think, I think this Simon Coveney was a bit of, it's a bit of spear waving. It's very much the, Seven percent, you know, I see a six percent kind of thing. You, you know, this is the opening shot in in I think hard negotiations. But isn't it a fair point or a fair question um, uh, to put to you, Catherine Martin, and it's been mentioned by Mark as well that we need to know. And as Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar put it in their letter, um, they need to understand and tease out how your targets would be reached. So, what exactly would it mean for our day to day lives? Just to say their their answer and the unfortunate wording of uh, use of the word teasing it out, um, I would find it uh, quite hard to to come to any conclusion other than Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael know exactly what needs to be done, uh, but they just don't want to do it. But I would also say, sorry, Callum, I didn't talk over you. Thanks for no, it. You talk to you, I'll give you a bit more time, but look, I'll come back to Callum in a um, moment. But, sorry, Callum. And the Tonishes. Uh, <laughs> intervention today on a front page of a newspaper is very unhelpful because as Lisa said there, it's it's the starting of this negative framing of what can only be a better quality of life. Um, what, what, okay, is well, what, 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 what is wrong with improved water? What is wrong with, should our children not be able to cycle safely and walk safely to, to their friends' houses, to, to their schools? Um, what is wrong with proper public transport? What is wrong with uh, taking people out of the cars? What's wrong with that? journeys If I can come in on this, Sean, because I mean, we, we had an Oireachtas committee and we had a climate action plan which exactly. all parties signed, and signed up. up. But what we're asking the Greens, and I think it's a very reasonable question because while we're posing the question as Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil in, in the process of negotiation with yourself, the British public are most definitely asking you if you're going to move from a party of the position of particularly in rural Ireland, to spell out what it is that your policies mean for them. And not just platitudes and not just, you know, repeating the, the mantras that you do, but to actually, in a cold, hard, real way, say, if we enter government, this is what it means for this section of society. And as, as someone who I respect and who, who's a, a neighbouring TD to me, I think you really would recognise that, but I think your party doesn't. And it wants to somehow or other play both sides on this. It wants to appeal to its base. It wants to say all the lines that it normally said in opposition, but not be willing to take that big step of saying, if we go into government, this is what it'll mean for you. OK, and Catherine you Martin. Well, you know, we're not a party of opposition and that, that's proven. We, we, we already have been in government and never afraid of... Um, of, of, of taking that, that risk. It's not about uh, fear of losing seats or anything like that. That doesn't come into it. We've had enough of that uh, in, in politics, actually, to be, to be frank. Um, it's about doing the right thing. Um, and we have to look at um, changing how we do our public transport. Yeah, you know we're asking for uh, 20% on cycling and walking. You would not commit to that, um, incredibly so. Um, you know, it's about remote working. It's, um, it, we, it's about changing the cost of congestion, which is 350 million a year. Year to two billion a year. It's about stopping the importing of six billion a year on on fossil fuel imports to change that to investing in renewable um, energies and and community okay, energy schemes. Okay, I tell you what. Now we're going to move on. We're going to move on. I need to come back yeah. to our other. Commit to the seven percent, and then we'll talk. Commit to the seven percent. 
just just be honest with people about what the other side of your policies well, are. Also, let's be honest that we had farmers protesting on the streets up uh, uh, for the last six months, and they weren't. They've more to fear from Fine Gael and from big corporations than they have from the Green Party. Okay, Mark uh, the Paul, current system has not served them well. They were self. they were protesting against Fine Gael, not the Greens. Uh, Mark Paul, um, the lockdown. There's all this talk about. Um, possible easing of restrictions though the expectations are being dampened a bit like expectations are often dampened in the run up to a budget now you are saying that uh, the government effectively is putting the public on the naughty step well last Friday um, Leo Varadkar effectively looked the Irish people in the eye and told them that if the restrictions are extended it's going to be their own fault I thought there was a little bit of um, obfuscation involved in it he was trying to cover up for the fact that they really haven't hit their own targets on testing and on tracing Um, and he was trying to it was described as a coordinated chorus of chastisement. Over the previous 24 hours, Simon Harris <clears throat> effectively came out and told people that they were getting complacent and they were getting lax. And um, Tony Holohan, the chief medical officer, was waving seismology graphs at people to prove how lax and how complacent they've been. I think the public have been extraordinarily um, 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 good at adhering to the regulations and, and, and adhering to the rules. And I think to try and blame people, uh, to try and blame the public, uh, to tell them that their complacency or their laxity will be the reason why lockdown can't be lifted, I just thought that was, you know, ethically and morally wrong and, and, and very, very divisive and, and, and very cute, a uh, little bit of cute horrorism, I think, there. And I, I think that there was a little bit of a backlash over it. And, and, and the government have now started to admit, I mean, Killian de Gascon as well, one of the, the scientific advisors to the government, has started to admit that um, actually, you know, the, the fact that they haven't hit their own, they've repeatedly not hit their own targets on, on, on testing for, for COVID-19, that is one of the reasons why lockdown can't be lifted. This is something they tried very hard to cover up. They shouldn't have done it. Um, it played into this divisive narrative in society where we're all, you know, telling tales on each other. We're all judging each other. We're all squinting out the windows at each other to see who is adhering to the lockdown, who is six feet away from each other. Um, is that journey essential? Is it not essential? It, it, lockdown was only ever supposed to be a tactic so that the government could build up its capacity. Never meant to be the strategy. Okay, Colin Brophy, what do you say to that? You're blaming the people and the reason is you haven't got your act together. Oh, well, I, I don't know where to begin, actually. I mean, I read the article. I thought the article was, was simplistic. Um, I just want to say one thing about the lockdown there because I thought the last comment was ridiculous. Social distancing and the lockdown is the only effective weapon, along with the washing of hands, that we have. And people need to realise that. And we can't have journalists undermine that. Nobody undermined I did not no, undermine Colin, excuse me, excuse just, me I, I did I not undermine I did not said, undermine it. And I want to reply to it. Um, and I want to reply testing, to that. Testing is a vitally important part of the mix. It enables us to do things. But the lockdown was absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. Nobody said it wasn't. And it's very, it's very, very simple to write articles with references to, I think, even home brewing of reagents and everything in it without actually grasping the fact that when you're the chief medical officer and you're doing a presentation and you are making decisions where people's lives are at stake, you have to make the right and cautious decisions. So is it now, the, isn't like the chief medical officer's call, like Colin? I mean, is, is this a question I like of... every other public rep would like to see as quickly as we can and as safely as we can a return from a, to normality. 
for both people who are cocooning, for both people who live their lives, and for businesses. Leo Varadkar told people... do that. Leo Varadkar told people... We can't do it whether it's Leo Varadkar or Tony Houlihan. We can't do that unless we do it safely. OK, stall it there now, Colm. Leo Varadkar told people that their bad behaviour would lead to lockdown being extended by two or three weeks, when in fact Paul Reid of the HSE came out and said uh, that we won't get our testing ramped up for two or three weeks. No, so no, it's, no, a, it's a real again, coincidence that those two... Pause the causality there. Again, very, very simple uh, way of looking at something. What the Taoiseach was trying to make the point, and I think, by the way, anybody who's been reasonable about this out there knows, because you can see it as you walk around. You can see it in terms of the data that's coming out. There has been a bit of easing out of the lockdown. Yeah. People There's are no evidence people are breaking uh, the rules, Colin. There's uh, no evidence of widespread sorry, rule breaking. Lise Hand, you've never been uh, as quiet. What, but, again, but I'd like to bring you back well, into this. Um, no, no, sorry, Colin. Just yeah, let um, Lise have a word there, please. Yeah. yeah, I suppose I'm trying to pick my jaw off the floor because I just think Colin is being incredibly disingenuous. I think Paul was, Mark Paul was completely correct. I think um, that the government to start laying down the line saying that the, you know, it's the public's fault that we're not coming out of lockdown is actually completely wrong. And I think and that, no, I think that column, your, your reading of, of Mark Paul's piece was absolutely and utterly disingenuous there. No. I think that and this deliberately stage, so. I think this, yes, I think this stage that, hang on, listen, Colin, do you know what I'm going to do now? And I, I hate doing this in my very last gathering. I'm going to ask the guys to shut your mic down or pull down the channel, <laughs> Fader, if you don't stop. Yeah. Listen, thanks very much, John. Um, I think what, you know, what Leo uh, Radke really needs to, to, to do at this stage is if he comes out today and does announce a two-week extension, he has to come out with a, a genuine plan, give people something to work to. If he comes out and says that we're going down for two more weeks, but at the end of that fortnight there will be rapid testing, comprehensive and swift contact tracing, and that masks will be freely avail- available at fixed price, by the way, for those anyone out in public spaces. Well, that gives some people something to actually believe in. So, but I think putting the hammer down on the general public is is just it's counteractive. It doesn't counterproductive, and it doesn't do any good at all in the situation. Catherine. Um, well, yeah, just to say, every time we mention this crisis, I think it's important that we, we thank the frontline staff, staff for the heroic work they're doing to keep us all safe. Um, and we should recognise how uh, the entire country have worked with uh, United and sacrificed themselves with ca- kindness, compassion and dignity. And I think all this mark, uh, my reading of what he uh, wrote this week, was that there's a fear there if the government uh, start this uh, framing of uh, the, the public are the fall guy, to distract from, from their own mistakes. Um, and of course, uh, you know, it's essential for the public to trust uh, at a time, to get buy-in now uh, as, as the lock-in continues. Um, because not only is that essential from the public, but it's life-saving. Um, and, you know, so we, we need to make sure we know that the government, the minister, NFET uh, and, and HSE are all doing vital work to keep us safe. But that doesn't mean good governance goes, down, goes on the long finger. That doesn't mean we don't diminish meetings. That doesn't mean we don't recognise that maybe some mistakes have been made, that 50% of, of the virus is in our nursing homes. Why were we so late writing to nursing homes and asking them, are, are you... You can't respond to all of that, Colin Brophy, but just tell us in 30 seconds what you think will be announced today uh, by well, way of an easement. First of all, I hope that something will be uh, arrived at. I'd like to echo the point that I think we owe it to everybody for the efforts that have been made, uh, the achievements we have done so far. But I would just say one thing. Nobody in government is blaming anybody. What we're all in this together, and we all must work for a solution that comes out with the least amount of Irish people losing their lives. That has to be the overwhelming guide for all our decisions. 
Look, there is, a, there is also a cost to lockdown, a social cost to lockdown. People can't gather, they can't go to funerals, they can't um, um, leave their homes. Um, um, over time, people's mental health is going to be affected. Those things also have to be taken into account. And so lockdown was only ever supposed to be short term, but they keep moving the goalposts on it, dragging a carrot along on a piece of string and moving the goalposts. OK, well, look, we will know before the day is out what exactly is exactly, planned. And exactly. uh, I think the Taoiseach will be, uh, will be speaking again to the nation and possibly going on the late, late from what I'm hearing. And now in, by the way, just one one text I want to bring you. Cocooning, just a reminder, cocooning is not mandatory. It's advisory only. People can go out if they want, says a caller. Uh, in news headlines, the Cabinet will meet this afternoon to sign off on a long-term plan to ease the COVID-19 restrictions. However, it's unlikely that any significant changes to the shutdown will be announced today. Uh, more than 40% of coronavirus-related deaths in Northern Ireland have been in care homes, according to fig figures just published. That is our lot today from Croke Park. Again, thanks to the GAA for the loan of the facilities here. Our, our programme produced by Alistair McConnell, research here on Don Ansan, Gar Duffy and Michael McLaughlin. Our technical expert, John Bates, who oversaw this broadcast from Croke Park. The series producer, Tara Campbell. I'll be back with you again on Tuesday morning for the last four shows, or the first of the last four shows. That's after the holiday weekend. Over now to Ronan. <laughs>